This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Llanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Welcome to the War Room. It's a pleasure to have you on, Veronica. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, we were having a lot of fun before we hit record. Uh, it seems like there's a little back and forth, a little sibling rivalry, like you said earlier. Uh, Which he due- started. He's yeah, started yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> due, due to the military background. <laughs> um, for me, one of the things that always uh, excites me is hearing people's response to this traditional question. We always ask this in the beginning, and that is, uh, do you yourself come from a family of entrepreneurs or business owners or something like that? Absolutely not. Um, I was born and raised in Dominican Republic to a family. I had dirt floors. We had no power, no plumbing. Um, my father was a farmer by trade. My mom was a homemaker. So um, education wasn't something that was something that we did at, back in Dominican Republic. And this is a village. And so luckily enough, my father migrated to the United States, Anchorage, Alaska, out of all places. So I want to picture here the 90 degree weather to nine months of snow. Um, and he moved there with, with me and that started my journey in the United States, finishing high school, joining the Navy and things like that. Wow. Yeah. I feel like every day of my life, I, I might take for granted that I've got running hot water. I try, actually, I have that moment to myself often like, wow, there's really clean water and people pour whatever they want into it. And you know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's crazy to, to see that there are people who come from not having that, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough that I was born here, but my dad wasn't. And so I know I, when I went to go visit when I was young, I know what that's like. <laughs> I sat there, I sat there pouring water on myself for a shower, yes. you know? So, so I, I, I know what that's like, and it is not the same. Uh, so I have a lot of respect for the fact that you've been able to come as far as you have now watching you said your father is a farmer. You actually have that in common with Jason in that in that same sense. So there's a there's a lot there more than just military. It's there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so then tell me you you hit high school right? You said you joined the military. At what point does business really start like being a part of the operation and really pushing it forward? Does that really start to take? hold of your vision? Was it something you knew as a kid? You were like, I'm going to change things or did it happen later in life? No, this happened very late in life. I think that when you come in very young, right after high school, straight into the military, um, there's there's what the, the birth of this teamwork, working together, working for a greater good, great working for defending the things that make the nation great. And so that that aspect of it was always, you know, present and remember that when I first joined in the first four years, 9-11 happened right away. So you got that United States is, is united. We're trying to, to work towards that goal. And, and we worked through that. But I, at that point, I wasn't really connecting the business aspect of it. I was still just like into the family oriented 
we are a team. Uh, if one fails, everyone fails. How to work together? How to make the world a better place? So that that was kind of the journey and the whole business aspect of this. And as you go into the ranks of the military, I was enlisted when I was in the military. As I as I transversed and went to you know the the E nine, which is a master chief in the Navy. Um, then you start to deal more with the red tape, the bureaucracies, the business kind of mindset, strategic planning. How do you do business? How do you get into that level? And I was fortunate enough to start as a cook in the military and then transverse into this equal opportunity DEI world and ended up at the Pentagon and supporting the, the secretary of the Navy and the inspector general into how to help people work better together, how to uh, improve workplace relationship and get diversity into the, the forefront of the military. So this is where the, I want to work in this field and I want to, you know, invest myself into this field. This is where the feelings came from. Oh, wow. Yeah. Leaps and bounds. I mean, things changed. Uh, it, Little. You, know, you might have, I mean, you made it sound like it happened fast, but it probably didn't happen that fast. No, that journey. I think that journey was like 24 <laughs> years. Like I said, I started cooking and, you know, from there, um, they put me into desk jobs. And one of the things I really appreciate about the military experience is that, especially in the Navy, your job is not your job. Your job is what they tell you it is. <laughs> and so they gave me a lot of administrative work. They gave me a lot of strategic planning and a lot of opportunities to work with high ranking officials that had that business head, that had that strategic mindset. And I tell you, every time we had to do any planning, any business, a strategic planning, he took me there kicking and screaming. I did not want to go like, I don't see the purpose of this. Why am I going? Just tell me what to do, boss. And then, you know, eventually I'm like, I'm so grateful that I went to those strategic meetings that I understood different perspectives and understand how business work. Because when I, you know, I finished my my, I started as a high school student. I got my bachelor's and then I got my master's. Now going into the PhD, I started to just slowly really love the idea of, of business, of helping people. And then I started to understand that my military career wasn't enough. It was, it opened the door, but to stay there, you had to have something else that saying, hey, I was in war. is not something that people are excited about. <laughs> or in my first day in the civilian community, when I say like, I'm looking for a head and like, who's head in the, in the military, in the Navy, that means a bathroom. And he's like, oh my God, I like hired a killer. I'm like, no, <laughs> and it's not even like this. So there was such a huge switch, switch when I retired from the military and then stepping into the business of, of doing business with entrepreneurs like myself, my colleague, and those folks who, who started talking about doing business, I just found that I spoke a whole different language. Um, I found that um, I really was more into this, this this mentality of one team, one firewall in the entrepreneurship. It's like self-started yourself, be strong, you know, pull yourselves by these bootstraps. I'm like, oh, I need a team. Um, and so it was just, there was that that disconnect in that portion of my time where I had to find my way. And I was really scared when I retired from the military. The first thing I said to myself is, what am I going to do? I mean, I had the security of a paycheck. I never had to question what I had to work to work. I never had a question about how my hair was going to be played out this day. And here I am into the civilian world. So I went into uh, the consulting business and becoming a consultant and becoming a coach. I got my industrial psychology degree. And so I started to work on those venues until I met Jim, who you have in the team before, who who was like an entrepreneur that's like, here's the world, uh, how the world should be. So 
It, it wasn't easy. It, 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 no, it didn't happen overnight. Trust me. And I, I, I'm sure I made mistakes. <laughs> I, I want to let Jason chime in on this because I, I know for a fact he enjoyed this. Well, it's, it's the journey, right? It, it is the, like I always say, don't, don't focus on the destination, focus on the journey, make the journey, make the journey what you want it to be. And, and, and let that destination be a floating target, right? Because if you do that, you get so much more out of it, right? And you look at a lot of, you know, a lot of folks coming out of the military, they don't understand the power they have in their hands. They really don't. And many of them are so cut out to be business owners. They just never find it, right? Mm. So they come out and they end up, and, and the military's gotten a little bit better with some of their programs for entrepreneurship. Not not really, but kind of, <laughs> sort of. But it's better than it ever was, for sure. And, you know, I, I always think it's a, like, it's a responsibility because I, I, I've got great connections to Department of the Army and the Pentagon and all those places. And I've gotten some of our clients that are veteran-ran companies uh, hooked up with them and their exit programs and all that kind of stuff so they can provide these great opportunities, right? Uh-huh. Um, because that's really heavily needed. And I, I guess I did it a little different because I chose to kind of dual hat things while I was in the military and run businesses outside of the military at the same time, because I didn't want to be that guy that retired and went, Oh boy. (laughs) What's next? Right. And my guy, I guess I'm going to go take over as the director of operations for AUSA or something. Right. (laughs) And that's what I didn't want to do was that. So fortunately, I planned pretty heavily for many, many years prior to, and I grew up on a farm. So I understand that, that farm kid life and, and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of values came from that. My dad was a veteran. My grandpa was a veteran. My grandpa's 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 were all veterans and so on and so forth. And I think all that instilled what is a lot of what I am today is that instilled a lot of goodness. And that's why I love to have other veterans on, even though we have friendly fodder talk. <laughs> no, I, you know what's really so interesting that you talked about how you planned? Um, I think that that is something that is so important because I didn't feel like I planned and I prepared. And like when I first got out, I thought it was to chase the GS job, right? The, the civil servant kind of like get more job security. Don't start on your own. Don't, don't try something consulting or in a firm. Just make sure that you become a GS and, and uniform on Friday and civilian clothes on Monday with some stability. But when I got out, you remember there was like a policy that you had to wait six months to even apply for those kind of jobs. So there was a lot of things that kind of pushed me into the direction. Um, Lucky for me, my first client was the Small Business Administration. So I learned about the, all the programs that go under it, a small business, and we have a lot of meetings. Veterans have a lot of support in the D.C. area with a chapter there that in the SBA that meets with veterans and tells them how to have business, 
how not to fail about business, how to get in the 8A program. So there was so much information coming so fast. But I, I applaud you for being prepared because I do not think I was half as prepared as you are. <laughs> and um, um, a, lot of, a lot of my peers, they still call me and they're still panicking. The veterans, like, what do I do? Like, and, and entrepreneurship is almost never something that comes to their mind. It's always like, you know, what can I get a secure paycheck that I know I'm not going to get fired from right away? So <laughs> right. good to hear that somebody playing better than me. One thing you did better than me, Jason, but I'm just going to let you slide this time. <laughs> oh, man, I get a I get a little tiny win here. That's great. A little. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> every 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 battle counts every win every victory uh, <laughs> uh, and i think it's fascinating that you took all of that and then you stepped into industrial psychology which is what you leverage today with to verbatim right like that's that's where, where you now are taking all that knowledge that you've developed about industrial psychology and to sort of uh, maximize and optimize the the culture and and experience trade in organizations. So how did that happen, right? So you get out, you do that, you cut, you secure a couple clients, and then you and Gene connect and just hit it off. So no, sort of no. <laughs> um, I actually worked a year and a half for another veteran who was an entrepreneur. And I was doing a lot of work that wasn't, it was more like numbers and, and crunching numbers and strategic planning, which is really not something that I'm super excited. At the same time, I finished my, my industrial psychology degree. And then in LinkedIn, I met, you know, Gene, who's like, hey, you want to go to lunch? And here we are. And um, what, what are your goals to, to use your the tools that you have learned in the military? And after the, you know, the year and a half of being out the military, how do, how do you want to put that into practice? And she talked about, the work that she do, which is help people work better together, assess cultures, help diverse people work together. Um, I'm a farm girl and I used to be a goat herder. So if I can make goats get along, I'm like, man, I can make anybody get along. Those things are me. So y'all laughing, but it's real. I'm talking about, you know, I had this clown shoes. My shoes were like size eight and I was probably a size four when I was little. So it was really a very different environment. Kind of ties into what Jason is it's talking about your ethics and how you grow and your values and what's important and how that works. And so I, I kind of fell into that work towards the end of my career where I was doing more paperwork than paperwork when I was in the military. You know, when I was younger, you do the paperwork and, and you handle the administrative piece. And as you get older and become an advisor, then you're dealing with people's sentiments and feelings. People don't get along. People are colliding in different point of views. And I started to do that work towards the end of my naval career. Then I cooled it down when I went to work for this other company and then coming back to, to assist uh, Jean with her business and, and you know becoming a consultant and, and growing in that area. Then I was able to use that skill set with real clients that really need that type of work. So it was it was a it was a voyage, it was a trip, it, it was a navigation for you, Jason. You know how that is. Navy <laughs> navigation. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> we use uh, compasses. <laughs> I am not good at compasses, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'm just an old grunt. That's it. So. Oh my goodness. Love it. <laughs> so then you've you've gone out and you've helped organizations essentially now get their people to work together better. And uh especially in a time like remote work, I think the work that you're doing is more important than ever before. And I'm I'm curious, uh, 
if you had the attention of a bunch of business owners who are struggling with that right now and you could give them any any sneak preview of what they can expect, what would you tell them is probably rule number one when working with people who are pretty adamant about staying remote? Wow. Well, I think that will mention to to keep in mind that we have five different generations in the workplace right now. So when we look at the diverse number of folks that we have, and then leadership, you know, we've got the baby boomers and, and we got the traditionalists, which are typically the people that move through the hierarchy and have one vision of how work should look like. A lot of folks that say, if I can't see you, then that's mean, that means that you're not working. But if I see you and, and I can put my eyes on you, then you're, you're providing. But use the performance metrics of are people still delivering the same amount of work or the, meeting the expectations remotely than when they did when they were in the office? And does it make sense? And how do you, I guess, how do you defend saying everybody should be at work five days a week when they, perhaps you could consider a hybrid Perhaps we can consider what is the preference of the workforce and have some options available. That's to avoid the the great resignation where have the quiet quitting, which is something that is getting a lot of attention in the media nowadays or people just doing the very minimum. It's looking at what makes sense. In the two years that people have not been in the office, for those who are in the office and not the farmers, we still got to, you know, the, the service people still got to show up, right? But the folks that have not been there, have they met the mission? And if they have not met the mission, then you, what makes sense to, to bring them back and, and what, you know, in what consistency? If they're meeting the mission, it will be a lot harder. And I speak to a lot of generations, especially the younger generation. As you can see, I got a couple of those in the back. Those are my sons, the millennial and the C right there. And they enjoy the ability to do both. Like, you know, going to the office and also stay at home. So find a balance. And that's for to, to help you avoid this, this great resignation is what makes sense for your demographic or your workforce and what is a happy medium where you get what you need, the mission gets met, and we continue to increase retention, I'll say. Yeah, no, I mean, thank you for breaking that down because that is an important thing to keep in mind is uh, what are you measuring performance by, right? And a lot of people measure performance by uh, butts in a seat. And that's just yeah. not the case uh, that, that there are people who can work 12 hours and really only get three hours of work done. Right. And if you look across the board, that's probably all you were really getting to begin with. And everything else was just meetings and wasted time at the water cooler and in the bathroom breaks and you name it. Absolutely. And you, you do better by helping lean on that. I, I like the way you're going with that. Uh, I think it's also a, a perfect time uh, because of, uh, how pivotal the conversation is to to sort of ask you um, if uh, if you yourself could go back, knowing what you know right now, to the girl who had no idea what was going on, just moved to Anchorage, right? What would you say to yourself, knowing what you know now? They're sitting there listening, and you're just like, "Am I ever going to change my life? Who knows what?" What would you say to yourself now, knowing what you know now about the workplace, career, mentality, ethics, all that? Well, I don't I don't regret my choices because they are the reason why I am what I am today. But I think I would have got um, the necessary education in the field that I know that I was passionate about early enough and then not be afraid to try something new. I think when I I have never felt I've been in Iraq and I have never felt more fear. Not in Iraq. I was more afraid of getting out of the military and finding a new job and a new career 
than I was about the bullets and the, the murders that were coming up in Iraq. Because I was trained in that area of survival, right? But I didn't feel like I was prepared enough. So I think that trusting that the skills that you have gotten through your life can take you to do the things that you are passionate about and trusting to follow that course. And I, I was really afraid. I think that now that I think about it, I shouldn't have been because I have more skills that I gave myself credit for. So, Oh, wow. You know, I, I love what you brought up because I, I think it's sort of, it was sad kind of in passing, but the fact that your fear is only an indicator of whether or not you've taken the time to prepare. Right. It's super important. Right. Because you said you were out there in some of the most dangerous scenarios, but you knew you were prepared for this. So right. you said, OK, I'll rely on that training. Thing about entrepreneurship is even with all the training in the world, <laughs> <laughs> you can never be sure yeah. of something. All you can do is say, hey, I've lost enough times to know what it looks like to win, I guess. And so I, I can see that a very valuable lesson there. Um, with that said, I hope you don't mind. Uh, I want to take a second to give a shout out to one of the sponsors that we work with, because it is a show sponsored by small businesses and entrepreneurs who are actually a part of the community who do listen and want to help keep the show going. So I want to take time out to share uh, scale with social selling with uh, Terry. If you ever look at your sales calendar and you think to yourself, oh, you know, this would be a lot better if it was actually filled with the perfect people and not just sometimes good, sometimes bad. Well, everybody knows that that would actually be better and it would definitely be more profitable. And the thing is, you there is actually a way to do that where you don't have to wish. Uh, and if you take a look at what Scale with Social Selling has, has done, and they actually even put on there, they guarantee more sales call with the kind of people that you actually want. Now that's a guarantee, right? So all you have to do is head over to try.scalewithsocialsellingsystem.com to find out why this system they've developed for prospecting is exactly what you've been looking for, for scaling your business to the next level. And when you book your free session with the team, you can let them know that the war room sent you over <laughs> and they'll increase your minimum booked call guarantee by an extra 20% just because you listen to this podcast. Uh, so with that said, I believe it's almost time to go to the grand finale. And before we do, I want to check in with Jason. Yeah, I, I want to kind of rewind and talk about a couple of things. Number one is this whole idea of butts in the seat thing, right? So I retired out of Fort Bragg from Forces Command. And Forces Command is, it's the next level below Department of the Army. Mm -hmm. And Everything there is, uh, and they went through this struggle during COVID. Now I, I know one of the two stars there and, and uh, still he's not there now, but he's still connected there. And all these government workers don't want to come back to work because they got used to being able to work from home and do all this stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And I even remember when I worked there, I can tell you right now, the government is the most wasteful entity on the world. In the world, I'm just gonna say it because it's just the truth. Because <laughs> you see, Bill and Jim over there, they've been they they they've been over at the snack machine for like four hours, yeah, bullshitting and uh, not getting anything done. So uh, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so you know, as far as that goes, it's it's like. We either adapt to this yeah. whole thing 
because there's a couple of really good companies and I can't remember what their names are. And I've adopted this policy too with my staffing agency. And that is if you get your work done, I don't care if it's two o'clock and you're yeah. golfing. Is it if, if your assignments are done by 10 AM and you're off with your family from 10 to the rest of the day, fill your boots, right? Okay. If you want to work real hard instead of, you know, having 13 coffee breaks during the day, you know, if you want to bust hump and get it done and take the afternoon off, good for you. So we either adapt to that environment or we're going to continue to run into this hiring process problems. And because we have to get out of the old way of thinking very quickly. Otherwise, <clears throat> I love Elon Musk. I think he's a great guy. And there's obviously places and times where mm -hmm. you have to require people to be at work, right? right. If you're going to be on a factory floor, you can't do that from your house. I mean, it's just that there are all kinds of jobs that have to be that way, but their spectrum of that, because he did this big, if you don't want to come to work, you don't come back to work, period, and you're fired. Right? Right. Um, so you can't operate that way, though. It won't work in, in the end. Well, for him, it'll probably work because he'll just filter through all kinds of people at the end of the day. Um, but that's not a good way to lead. It's not a good way to lead at all. And I think he's ruining his reputation by doing it. That. And I always really used to admire him. And it isn't that I don't for what he's done. I admire him for what he's done in his life. But then he does things to counteract that, right? And that was one of them right there. And it really made him look bad in my eyes because you got to adapt, right? That's what business owners do. You adapt mm -hmm. and you either adapt or die, right? Exactly. So anyway, just, just something. I know you guys are doing phenomenal work with that um, over there. And gosh, we, we need more of that. People like you guys in companies with a baseball bat upside the head. <laughs> Gently. <laughs> so, so if people wanted to connect with you, Veronica, to learn more about what you're doing, maybe if we bring you on board to see if you can ship and shape up people at their companies, <laughs> um, where should they go to connect with you? Well, I think that uh, Tia Berberum website is one of the best places to go in and see the capabilities, see the things that we do. We have partners uh, like A Fishing Happiness, which is an amazing way to assess, um, you know, to assess how, how work is going. Um, TIBC has a lot of tools as well to help. So going to the website is always good. Um, you can always email me. Um, and do I have my business? I have my personal email, but if you email me at and Jason, do not laugh if you're doing a beat you up. It's at redblue0911 at gmail.com. So that's my email. You know it has to be. <laughs> I told you 9-11 was important to me. My son was born also in 9-11. So, um, yeah, just go um, redblue0911 at gmail.com, and, and we can definitely come in and, and, and take a look and, and do an assessment. So. Have, awesome. have, you ever, have you ever met Dean Wagner? Awesome. You ever met him? No, he he's the ceo of authentically american um oh. so they have they, it's all made in the usa clothes right and he's he's a he's a ex uh west point 
Oh, yeah, not West Point. Go ahead. So, so he's got this shirt, right? And it says Go Army on it, right? Uh-huh, and, I said that, and yeah. As you sweat, Beat Navy shows up as you sweat all Definitely over the shirt. I don't want that shirt. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to reverse that. Like, you know, Army. <laughs> I'm sure they have that one too. But that's oh that's God. the that's the one he showed us on the show because he was on the show about a month ago and he's like, watch this. You see, uh, <laughs> Philip, that they had to spray it because they weren't really sweating. They, he has to spray it just to make it sick. <laughs> you knew what this hey, was coming. So I, I, I ain't trying to sweat anymore. <laughs> oh, man. I'm over here like Switzerland. I'm neutral. Clear <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on this fight. We're good. I'm taking fire oh, <laughs> everywhere. That's too funny. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, oh. No, it, it really has been a pleasure getting to know you and talk to you. We have a, one last question that we close the show out with and, and uh, before Jason uh, make sure that to, to say our goodbyes. And uh, that question, Veronica, is if you could have invited anybody to sit here and join the conversation today, who would you have loved to have had here and why them? Ooh, don't make me cry. Also, my dad, he passed away and he had um, Alzheimer's. So he didn't get to see my career progression in the military. He didn't get to see me as a civilian. He just got to know me as a kid the first 18 years. He passed away before I got out of the military. So I think I would like him to thank him for the values and the things that he taught me Um, to appreciate what you have. You have to know what is not to have anything and to still be happy with what you got and he taught me those things. So I would love for him to be in his good mind to see that his hard work raising his kids. I was adopted. He adopted me um, to see that he his values is what has guided me through this process. So, Wow. Powerful. So true. Big shout out. Um, I'm, I know for a fact, anybody to hear, anybody who knew you when you were a kid, to hear where you are now and to see where you plan on going, because it's just the beginning. As far as I'm concerned, you're just getting started. It's exciting stuff. Um, and, I, and I thank you for always reminding us of how important it is to remember where you come from, right? It's something that uh, is lost on many who grow up, who are born here. And, you know, yeah, I have electricity. You know, I've got warm water. Uh, it always runs when I turn it on. It never <laughs> runs out. It never runs out, right? Uh the same thing. Well, I don't ever have to wake up and worry that one day there's going to be some kind of attack on the city or something. You know, like right. there's so many things that we take for granted. And look, I'm as guilty as the next, right? Uh, but it's it's hearing stories like yours that makes you reinvigorated and dig deep and go, yeah, I've got to do more. You know, I've got to dig deeper. I've got to be better. And uh, I really appreciate that about your story and you being so open to sharing all that with us. Uh, with that said, I want to let Jason close this out. It's tradition that he does that, uh, but it really has been a pleasure getting to know you. Thank you. Yeah. Gosh, great to have. It's always great to have another veteran on the show. That's uh, for me, those are the highlights of many of these shows when when I get to have that interaction with other veterans and so on and so forth. And if you know any other veterans, please invite them to be on the show so they can share their business experience with, uh, with our audience because it's unique, right? It is very unique. Uh, you know, very few, I don't remember the stats, but very few uh, veterans that start companies fail. 
most of them don't. Most of them make it through it Um, because of that adversity of that. Because at the end of the day, nobody's shooting at us right now. And that's the way I always look at everything with business and life is that. Is anybody going to shoot at me? Nope. We're good, man. (laughs) It's all good. Right. So, so that, that having that perspective in business, I think is, you know, sharing that with other people is really important and because it gives them a different perspective, it gives them something different to kind of latch onto and go, wow, I didn't have to experience that. So gosh, that should make this actually fairly easy for me to get through this today. Right after hearing that, you know, um, but anyway, let me get off my soapbox. Um, thanks for being here. Appreciate you being on the show. Thanks for taking the 30 minutes. Drop some knowledge on our audience. It's, it's been an honor and a pleasure. And thank you to both of you for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.